Hello, Alex from Scrimba here. You are listening to a recording of one of our weekly fireside chats here at Scrimba. In a nutshell, we sit around an imaginary campfire and have real conversations about learning to code and how to land your first junior developer job. We bring out the imaginary kindling every Tuesday, and while we hope you enjoy this recording, we would much prefer to see you there live, because when you attend live, you get to participate in the chat and ask us questions. To learn more about the Fireside Chat, such as how to join, what exciting topics are upcoming, and what specific time the event happens in your time zone, head to scrimba.com forward slash fireside. On behalf of myself, my wonderful co-host Leanne from Scrimba, and everybody else on the Scrimba team, and our occasional guests here in the Fireside Chat, please enjoy this episode, and remember to subscribe so that you see future episodes as well as support the show. Let's get into it. Welcome, everybody, to another Fireside Chat. I see that we have 42 people here. Welcome. If you want to say hello, check out the Fireside Chat text channel. Today, we're going to be talking about how to create a CV and or LinkedIn from scratch. And, you know, a big motivation for this is that over the last, I want to say, six months since November, December, maybe more and more at Scrimba, we've been making friends and inviting guests onto streams like the weekly web dev challenge and the podcast to try and surface actual valuable knowledge that, that is qualified from actual recruiters and hiring managers about what they really look for and how they really approach finding candidates via LinkedIn or a CV. In fact, Leanne, I have to say, I think you're the biggest proponent of this, speaking to people like Jermaine Jupiter and Molly May on the live streams. What can people look forward to today? What I've learned from doing the live streams about CVs and LinkedIn is that didn't know as much as I thought I did and I've applied for a lot of jobs in my time but they were still quite eye-opening so I thought it'd be good to share what we've learned. We want to talk about what a great resume or CV looks like, the structure you should use, how you can start it if you don't have anything because that can be quite intimidating, uh, how to approach it from the recruiter's point of view, how long it should be and things like what to do if you don't have any tech experience yet. And Michael's going to talk a bit about his experience uh, with a CV writer. And uh, yeah, we'll go from there. Awesome. Yeah. And um, yeah, of course, we have Michael here as well. Hey, Michael. Hey, hey. And yeah, Per, thanks for joining us. Hey, how's it going? Per, have you ever had a resume? Um, actually, I don't think so. <laughs> I had a creative CV, a general CV when I started as a developer, but uh, never a proper or, or and I created non-technical resumes. I have probably a long time ago. But uh, oh, oh. other than that, not. Yeah, because your first developer job, you kind of got in through the, the back door, so to speak. Yeah, uh, I, I did have a CV. Uh, we we're on GitHub, actually. But but yeah, I got, kind of got through the back door with, uh, through, through contacts and going to a meetup and meeting, meeting the CTO of the company. And kind of like there are many ways to get a job without a resume, definitely. Uh, but when you're competing in, in like a traditional job application processes, for example, you've applied for a job, then a resume is, uh, of course, critical. 100%. That's actually a great um, anecdote as well, because even if you are following some of the kind of more creative ways to get noticed, like we've spoken about previously on the Fireside Chat, it is just good hygiene, I think, to have a good CV because... Yeah, I've had certain opportunities that came about, not because I applied, but the first question they asked is like, hey, we need to send your CV so we can like 
yeah, look at you in one page and get a sense and talk about you with the team and stuff. So it's definitely a hygienic thing at the very least, but could actually be the thing that makes or breaks your job opportunity and put you at the top of the pile. I've learned a lot as well about what makes a good CV. It's a lot more nuanced than I thought. I figured, Leanne, maybe a good place to start would be to talk a little bit through the structure of a CV from maybe top to bottom. And then a little bit later on, I think we should talk about what to do if you don't really have what you think you probably do by the way but what you think isn't relevant experience because if you're a new dev it's like oh i don't have any projects yet or i don't have any work experience to to talk about let's maybe circle back around that but to sort of set the stage what are the attributes of a good standout cv leanne yeah so what i learned from jermaine is that firstly try to keep it to one page I think a lot of people have a tendency to think that isn't long enough. But the key thing is to keep only the relevant experience and skills on that CV. You've got to remember that most recruiters are only going to look at CV for a matter of seconds. So you really have to be selective about what you put on there. So in terms of the actual structure, obviously you have your name and details at the top. This does depend on country, but Jermaine suggested not to have a picture on your CV. So your LinkedIn is different it's definitely better to have a professional picture on there but for a cv leave it off as far as you can obviously that does depend region by region and um, get people to make a judgment on you based on your skills rather than your appearance and then straight under your name and details go for skills straight away a lot of people we saw um, in the review they tended to hide their skills away at the bottom it was a bit of an afterthought but really they should be at the very top the first thing that people really look at because Ultimately, when they're searching for a candidate, the skills is the number one thing they're looking at, right? So you really want to put it as high as possible on the CV. And then the next thing down should be your experience tailored to the job you're applying for. And I don't just mean whether or not it's a tech job, but also try to narrow it down within the field. So for example, if you're applying for an education tech company and you've previously worked as a teacher, you could highlight those skills. So really try to bring out the relevant skills from your past work history. You don't have to write it all off. Just tailor it and be selective. Leanne, I'm sorry. Is that an ice cream truck in the background or am I just, is that just wishful thinking? Is indeed. Yep. So that's actually pretty amazing. I'm around very often. (laughs) What a temptation. (laughs) Um, So what I'm hearing is that definitely try and make it one page. That can sometimes be a point of discussion. Like, I wonder if there's a school of thought for doing more than one page. You want to put your skills at the top and and that's what's relevant to most employers. They want to know, you know, if they're looking for a Ruby dev, then probably they want to be able to filter that as quickly as possible. You want to basically avoid a profile picture as a rule of thumb on your CV. Again, that is quite a contentious topic that I've never really learned the the true true answer to. Sounds like it's just safer to to leave it off, basically. And and then, of course, to highlight your past experiences with with careful emphasis. Yeah, I think picture on the CV is kind of like if you're an English speaking country, it's very safe to say that do not include your picture. And then other countries, it's very specific. So it's probably best advice would be like get in touch with someone on LinkedIn from your country, like a tech recruiter and just ask them. Should they include a picture or not? Uh, Whatever they say, go with that. That's great advice. I think reaching out to someone objective when you can, and to be honest, it probably seems a bit daunting, but people are generally pretty happy to help. And you can always join uh, join any of the Scrimba live streams or sessions with one of the recruiters we hang out with and ask there as well. 
What is your view, Leanne, and what have you learned about the kind of design of a CV? Like we spoke a little bit about the structure. What about the sort of visual part of it? Does it yeah, matter? Yeah, that's really important, definitely. Um, so you want it to look neat and tidy and professional. What Jermaine suggested was to use a template, perhaps if that's something that doesn't come naturally to you. Or even if you think it does, there's no harm in using a template. Why do work when you don't have to, basically? So um, he suggested two resources. That's Canva and um, Credle. I'll put the links in the chat in a minute. And they've basically got, yeah, nice CV templates that you can just download and fill in the information. You've also got to be careful about where you're leading the reader's eye as they're reading through your CV. Some people like to go for kind of funky layouts and things like that because they think it looks impressive, and it does. It's actually quite hard to read. So try to keep it to one column where the eye can just kind of flow down and not have to do a lot of kind of tiring work to get the information out. Per, you watched Jermaine's stream recently. I think you, well, you caught it live, I imagine. Did anything he say stand out about the design and structure of a, of a resume? Yeah, what I think was interesting was his perspective as a recruiter and actually the time pressure that recruiters are under. Like they have to skin through tons and tons of uh, resume, CVs or resumes. I actually think we're using like CVs and resumes kind of interchange. Uh, like we're using this, uh, saying CVs and resumes and meaning the same here. There, there are some subtle differences. And I think that the, the difference between the CV and resume vary a little bit of what the specific country uh, uses. Can you talk about that? Yeah, like a CV to me at least is more of like a general academic overview of your experience uh, like it should have it probably include a lot more whereas a resume is more specifically tailored uh, towards one role like you, you you most likely have one cv which is, has everything but then a resume that is tailored towards towards the type of positions you are looking for at this point your cv is kind of all of your experience Whereas if you're applying for a job in a bank, a non-technical job, or you're applying for a uh, job in a uh, web shop, you'd probably highlight very different parts of your experience in the two different resumes you'll send to those two different jobs. That's at least my impression of how this works. And actually, the name doesn't really matter that much if you call it a CV or if you call it a a, a resume. The point is, is, is kind of tailoring it a little bit towards what you are looking for. Hmm, that sounds perfectly reasonable. I, I honestly never thought about it like that. And it makes me thank you yeah. for tailoring. If you, if you are, then let's just use that terminology because it sounds it sounds very good, I think. Um, if you're writing a resume then tailored to a specific role, do you think maybe then a personal statement is part of that? Like, does it make sense to, and, and this question's open for anybody, by the way, does it make sense to in, include a personal statement in your resume? Uh, as far as I know, it, it, make, it can make sense, um, definitely, but keeping it uh, short, only a couple of sentences, uh, and also making sure that it doesn't overshadow the more important things, which should be at the top. And, and uh, like, for example, your skills, which Leanne said, skills first, than experience um but, but definitely a personal um statement can can make sense and actually help a lot if you have some kind of relevant experience for the job Te- that be technical or non-technical experience but um actually i don't think i <laughs> replied properly to your first question uh, i went on a tangent about the uh, resumes and, and cvs uh, when, he, when we talked about how you should create one based on uh, what Jermaine said 
And recruiters have so little time and so many re- uh, resumes to go through. Look through your resume. Try to like or show it to someone for 10 seconds and ask, ask afterwards, what did you take from this? What do you remember from this? That's how clear and on point you need to be when you write your resume. And then you need also to have a lot of white space and make sure that it looks good and the, and the, uh, the things you want to highlight are properly highlighted. They can't be like crammed into large paragraphs with a font size of 12. You have to kind of make it pop a little bit. Didn't Jermaine say it was like four or five seconds on average a recruiter looks at a resume? That can't be true. I think he said 10, but either way, 10, it's not very 10. many. But he talked about the, the, the actually the first three seconds as super important. Uh, yeah. and, and that's why you kind of want to slap those skills, which are should be relevant for the job, of course, right there at the top. So like the first thing uh, a recruiter is wondering, like, does this person know React.js? It is a React.js job. Well, then you need to put that all the way at the top. And mm-hmm. then after the recruiter's kind of seen, oh, yeah, uh, this person knows React, then you contextualize it in your experience where you like talk about how you've used React.js to solve business problems in previous jobs or in previous projects. Both can work. Uh, and with that, you kind of very quickly have like gotten through the most important hurdles, which is does he know he or she knows React? Does he or she has he or she used it to solve problems because that's what they'll do in the job. It's almost like I try and do a little bit of content marketing. Like I write, I like to write blog posts and emails and stuff like that. And sometimes you write a draft and it sounds really good to you. And then you literally have to like put yourself in the shoes of the reader and realize even though you, ca- even though you like what you wrote, um, it's kind of fluff or, or the reader's going to get bored before they get to the essence of what you're trying. It's a tough discipline, to be honest. And it, this sounds very similar with your resume. Like you really have to be as harshly objective as you can. Um, but I suppose if you aren't so familiar with CVs, uh, you might not be so confident about what matters and what doesn't. What can someone do in that case? Does it does it make sense to ask like a friend for help or something like that? Well, what I've heard, and I completely agree with actually, was to actually not ask a friend and definitely not a partner. Because if you do that, most likely one of two things will happen. Option one is they'll just be nice to you and say, yeah, it's great, which isn't going to help. Option two is they'll be brutally honest and then that'll turn into an argument or at least some kind of resentment. Um, so it can't really end well. So the better thing Did to do... Do you know this from personal experience, Leon? <laughs> I just wanted to... Exactly. I just wanted to say, like, I want to clarify, I have never read Leon's CV. <laughs> <laughs> so the best thing to do is um jermaine actually suggested asking a stranger in a coffee shop to look at it which i don't hate the idea of um <laughs> if that's your jam you can do that or yeah someone you don't know as well off the top of my head if you're on fairly good terms with someone you've previously worked with for example maybe you could use that or perhaps a neighbor that you kind of know but not really well that kind of thing and there's also professionals you can go to for a cv review so obviously jermaine and danny does linkedin reviews and uh, michael you've been to one as well haven't you yes yes that's right well i just submitted my cv to a lot of uh these like comparison websites and uh, they basically come up with a score and then they say like well you can improve this you can improve that 
And at first, it kind of seemed a little bit like they are just auto-generated responses. Felt a bit like um, they just say that to everyone. But after I've gone with a, like a human CV review, and they basically confirmed the same thing. So I then uh, tried to go with like uh, buy-in an actual CV, professionally written CV. So I can talk more about that if you want. Mm, yeah, that would be interesting. So whether or not you found it helpful. And uh, what were the results as well? Initially, why I wanted to do to go for that was um, because I noticed uh, last winter I was looking for a new job and um, I kind of noticed that I can get into interviews and stuff, but they're usually through LinkedIn or if I like just cold emailed someone. But whenever it's like I found the job and then I go through their website and I link to my CV or resume or whatever apparently it's called, and then I get very little feedback from there or it's usually a pre-count response going like oh well thank you very much for your application we have considered and you have been unsuccessful so i was like sure so surely if i score resume if i score interviews normally uh, and get some offers as well but then nothing gets back to me through the cv submission there must be something wrong with that Mm, Uh, and uh, that's when i have learned about ats which is uh i think it's called applicants tracking system and uh, that is basically the system where, you know, when you click a button and you say upload your CV and then you hit submit on the job application, that's where your mm. CV resume goes. It goes into this like database and they uh, scrap and analyze your CV. So this is why uh, when Jermaine mentioned, like, make sure that it's not super duper designed and made in pictures and stuff. It's simply because when ATS passes your resume, uh, it then extracts keywords and tries to then score your application based on relevance. It's like some kind of proprietary algorithm that every system uses. And if they can't pass your CV, then you basically score zero and that's it. So basically, um, you realized that your CV was getting filtered out by the bots, it sounds like. Yeah, effectively. Uh, I was like, ooh, this this doesn't look great. Um, mm. And uh, I was kind of a little bit lazy. I didn't really want to do it. And I thought, well, I mean, my professional thing is being a developer, so I, I'd rather pay someone to do it. Uh, so I went through um, a review and uh, a professional recruiter basically reached out. We had the chat about what I want, like, uh, what I want to have on my CV, what I want to do, how I want to come across. And uh, his rewritten that cv and stuff um kind of like my my own reservations is obviously you know it's very hard to uh give information to someone else to write about you when they barely know you uh that's kind of the only probably negative side of it um but apart from that like yeah his his uh rewritten version has uh scored much better on ATS uh, different scoring websites. And I have got back uh, after that, I have got back quite a few um, emails and so on about moving on to the next stage and so on. So it clearly worked. Uh, mm. I guess it, the result is not as spectacular as, as I expected it to be, but that's probably like uh, mismatch of expectations on my side. Because um, obviously, you know, he's not going to make it, he's not going to make a unicorn out of it. Uh, it's mm. just, it's just his CV. Can I, can I be a bit cost? cheeky and ask how much it cost? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, I can. Um, just hold a second. I will look it up. Uh, it's somewhere. Well, yeah. that I have a receipt somewhere in my emails. Well, while you do that, I'm going to invite David Stevenson up to the stage, who is a Scrimba user who recently got a really cool job. And I interviewed for the Scrimba podcast. Uh, David, you also joined us on one of the weekly meetups and spoke about this tool called Resume Worded 
that you kind of described as like changing the game for you. I, I honestly, I've not really looked into it. So I'm hoping you can kind of reiterate a little bit for everybody here today. Um, yeah, I, uh, I can't remember where I heard about it, but um, pretty much it's a website and it will rate both your resume and LinkedIn. Um, I used it for my resume. And when you go to the website, you can choose the career level you're applying for. So if you're doing entry level, mid-level or senior level, um, I did entry level because those were the jobs I was shooting for. Um, then you save your resume as a PDF and you upload it and it gives you a score out of 100. The free version gives you tips to get you up. I think the highest score you can get with the free version is an 80. Mm. Um, you can pay and it can help you get up to the, that 100%. But it, it gives you tips like um, something I didn't know was don't put your references on your resume. It just takes up space. And if the employer wants your references, they'll ask you for them at that point. Um, take out the objective is what they said for my resume, unless you are transitioning um, careers, that's more of when you need to use. So it has just all these different helpful tips that have it score higher for you and uh, help your resume stand out a little bit better. Wow, we hadn't uh, even considered those two points. They're very good points indeed. And yeah, it sounds like it's worth like if it's, there's a free version, you might as well just try it and see what, what comes from it. Thanks, thanks, David. Yeah, that's how I got hooked up through uh, with the CV writing person through oh, no one way. of these websites. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Basically, oh. like you, um, I just Googled ATS score my CV and then, you know, I just went through like a bunch, six, seven different websites um, and then just got quotes from there. And they usually give you the advice on what to do and they try to connect you with uh, their CV professional writers after that so basically like this ats scoring thing it's like their conversion funnel to their professional writers sounds about right did you figure Uh, out how much you yep uh so i paid uh 240 usd uh yeah 50 50 of those was uh to have like an hour hour and a half conversation with the actual writer one-to-one uh so basically we zoomed uh, and uh, i i was able to talk to him about what i want to see to look like and he would like you know, give you homework, you know, he would say, like, oh, well, you need to think about this and that and write. He basically like he focuses on making it look proper and ATS scoring while you focus on just putting down your experience on a piece of paper and emailing it to him. I will just say that when I when I say 240 is sounds kind of reasonable, what I'm thinking is if that can enable you to get a nice salary, probably yeah. 240 is going to seem like a, a drop in the ocean in, in comparison to a full time salary. So, yeah, definitely. I mean, was it worth it? Do you think, Michael? Now we now we know the cost. Uh, well, I kind of gone with the job that I have uh, sourced myself. My CV didn't help. So maybe maybe in the next round, maybe. <laughs> mm. hmm. What did um, they actually change? They've changed pretty much like the layout, the fonts, how it looks, the flow of it. Um, they've reworded kind of, uh, you know, when you're writing your CV, you kind of try to default to like the corny phrases, like I'm detail oriented and <laughs> stuff like that. They kind of make your CV not sound super cringe. It's like it still sounds a bit corporate and stuff, um, but at the same time, it doesn't sound awkward. 
So, so there's James definitely a benefit to that. Were you using yeah, comic sans before? Oh, I don't know what I was using. I'm not really I'm not really a folding guy. <laughs> that probably helps you that probably helps you in the interview as well. Instead of using the those terms like I'm detail oriented, uh, they make you think about it a little differently. So even if that C V didn't get you the job, it still might be worth just reviewing your skills in a different way. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I would love to hear, David, how, how you feel it changed, uh, like, after you used Resume Worded. Uh, what was the specific results you got from it? Um, so I ran mine through Resume Worded right at the end of a bunch of interviews. So I didn't actually end up sending that new one. It did make me feel a lot better if I was having to send new, because I found out about the job right after I started implementing those. But going on going further when I apply to the next job, it's definitely a tool I'll use. It just felt a lot cleaner and less buzzwords, kind of like Michael was saying. I think it was, was it Justin, Alex, our previous student who also used such a tool to improve the keywords of his LinkedIn? And that actually ended up getting him a job, two, two offers, I think, after having applied for like 100 jobs or something. So yes. small keywords can make a huge difference, even though it <laughs> hasn't done it for, for you, both you, Michael and David, yet. You're thinking of uh, Justin Lowen, right? Who yes. was working as a petroleum engineer and then, yeah, totally. I don't think he used that service, but when I spoke to him for the Scrimba podcast, he mentioned how when he took, yeah, a bit more seriously, he, he, he said he applied to over 160 jobs, wasn't really getting anywhere. Then using the career advice Discord channel and some other research, he optimized his profile a bit. And in the end, he was actually recruited. Like someone came to him once he added the right keywords to his LinkedIn profile. So, so it's such a good idea. Yeah. Thank you so much, David. So yeah, I think just one thing I wanted to highlight from the previous chat is about when you use Canva or Credle or, or a similar service to design your, your resume, um, you definitely, this was already mentioned, but I think it bears repeating, you, you want to format it cleanly but not go over the top because it might actually hurt you if the application or applicant tracking system uh, fails to pass it and filters it due to an error. Although, Leanne, I'm wondering, and I, and I don't know if you've, if you've got some impression of this interviewing people like Jermaine and Molly for the weekly web dev stream, but how prevalent do you think these application tracking systems are because I, I get it if you're Microsoft or Google and you have 2,000 maybe more applications a day you need something like this it makes a lot of sense a very desirable company to work at and I'm sure a lot of the resumes they get are not relevant at all um, but if you're talking about like a smaller maybe mis- mid-sized company up to 100 people I don't know. Do you have some sense? Are they, are they as prevalent as maybe I might assume? Um, I don't really know how prevalent they are. And I think that's kind of the point. You don't really know when there is going to be one and when there's not. So you kind of have to optimize for it just in case. Because if you're applying to a, a medium-sized company, they might have just got some kind of deal or whatever or decided to use it for whatever reason they've got. Um so you might as well, yeah, optimize, as I said, your CV for that. And the other thing is people are kind of working in a similar way. So they're obviously not robotically scanning through like that, but they are essentially filtering out for skills and things. So really, whether it's a bot or a human, you need a very similar approach. You know, I, don't know if I, should, I don't know if this is inappropriate, but when... Like we spoke about 10 seconds per profile. I kind of get this impression of like um, recruiters treating resumes like a Tinder <laughs> app and like swiping left and right, like making that instant judgment. Mm. Yeah. Uh, 
Um, Michael, there, there was one book that you, I know you're fond of. I've actually forgotten the title. And I, I happen oh, to yeah. know that oh, yeah. Karen used it too when he was applying for work. And um, yeah, Karen recently got a job, which is amazing. And by the way, again, just another quick plug, the interview of Karen's coming out next week. So you can look forward to that on the Scrimbert podcast. But yeah, Michael, can you tell us about the book and, and maybe ask Karen about how he found it? Uh, yeah, I follow this guy on Twitter called Gegele Orish. He used to be a tech recruiter for Uber. Oh, sorry, engineering manager. And uh, he basically sat on a lot of panels and hired a lot of people. Well, the notable thing is that he is Uber in Amsterdam. So it's kind of European based. A lot of CV and resume advice is kind of coming from the US. Uh, and it was really interesting to see European view on it. Uh, but then he wrote this, the tech resume book, which is uh, pretty much international i think uh well and kind of kind of uh karan's example is very um well he's from india and uh, he read that book wrote cv based on that book and there you go he got a job um it was actually quite interesting to see his development uh because i pinned it in career advice channel and then karan was reading the book and uh talking about it in the channel and then was posting his cv versions in the channel and then it was super amazing experience to actually see it go through iterations and then like to the result of actually getting a job. Uh, so maybe he can talk uh, more about how he's done, what he's done, so on. But welcome, by the way, Karen. Sorry I didn't welcome you properly. It's great to have you here. Thanks, Alex. So I didn't spend that much time earlier on my resume. I used to use a resume editor and that's how I used to make my uh, resumes. And I didn't think that much about resumes until I read the book. And, you know, uh, I got connected with the book because I could relate where I was lacking in my resume. Like, uh, I used to use a date format that was a bit dif uh, difficult, you know, to read. Uh, so, I changed that. And uh, there were a lot of small things that we can change. Like, uh, I used to have my photo on the resume. And the author tells that it creates a personal bias. Like, if you have your photos or uh, a bit more personal details. So, yeah, just avoiding those and how you can write your, uh, you know, uh, summary, you, how you can storytell it to connect with, uh, with the recruiter and uh, how you can uh, get noticed within, like, uh, recruiters don't have a lot of time when, like, they get thousands of uh, CVs for a single post, maybe, the uh, company. So, how you can uh, get noticed uh, by the recruiters and if they choose your profile, you know, your resume, how they can, how you can impress them. Like there are a lot of things. So that book's definitely worth checking out, I think. Yeah. It, Gosh, it's just think the that... small details that we miss. Mostly uh, we miss the small details on our resume, which uh, doesn't help that. Yeah. We, we, th we think that it's okay to like make those mistakes, but yeah. Karen, thank you so much. Yeah, no worries. Per, you think that we're affiliated with all these books and companies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, but they, they, this, we should get, definitely get that uh, plan or, or, or that um, feature you've been talking about with the books uh, embedded into the Scrimba dashboard or with discount codes and uh, free books and giveaways uh, so that we can give our users some of these resources we bring up again and again and again. I, d I don't know if this is like, I don't want to go on too far of a tangent because I'm, I'm quite excited to talk about what you can do if you have no experience. But what's your view on that? Like, I, I think that from my point of view, like we want people at Scrimber to like find success and, and get jobs. And like, 
the front end career path is obviously the the go to place to get the hard skills. But when it comes to like you know optimizing your resume and soft skills and stuff, like I think we're pretty happy to point people in whatever direction we think is going to be the most helpful. For sure, and um, definitely until we feel that Scrimba is the best resource on that specific specific subject. Uh, right now, we think we are the best uh, uh, resource on like learning HTML, CSS, JavaScript, React, and those kinds of things. Uh, we are not the best at uh, career advice or uh, like, uh, yeah, there are experts out there who, who, who are better at these kinds of things. And we're working now to kind of improve that offering on Scrimba. And as long as we don't provide the best, uh, like the, the top notch, uh, we're, of course, going to send people where wherever they can benefit their career from. From, from reading uh, or, or, or um, taking courses at. I mean, ideally, the way we're shaping the career path is that all of these kinds of things, all of the learnings we are like learning here every single week, we are implementing into the career path so that uh, you creating a polished resume, good CV, uh, an optimized LinkedIn profile, is just a side effect of going through the career path so that you hardly even have to think about these kinds of things. But uh, we're not... 100% there yet, if I'm to be completely honest. No, 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 but work in progress, and it's all it's all very exciting. It's a, yeah. yeah, I think some platforms, like, you subscribe and nothing ever changes, but with Scrimba, like, <laughs> there is actually new content every month and things are evolving. Um, but yeah, sure. let's, let's, let's jump back to the topic of, I have some ideas, but I don't really know. I'm, I'm curious to hear your perspective, Leanne. If you are a new developer, I guess you can approach it from two ways, maybe just brand new to industry, full stop, or maybe transitioning careers. Like, how do you fill even a page with experience and projects and all this stuff if you haven't got any yet yeah i mean you've probably got more experience than you realize so obviously you know whether or not you've worked in a developer role but people are talking more and more these days about skills outside of the technical stack so there's so many soft skills out there it does depend on the job you're applying for but some of them are basically universal so teamwork for example maybe you've worked in a grocery store you still had to have organized yourself within a team so try to pull out the most relevant skills from every job you've had and um, highlight also the problems you've solved within each role rather than your day-to-day activities of i don't know i arranged the apples try to talk about a time where there was a problem that you solved and Jermaine recommended this approach called PAR, P-A-R, Problem, Action, Result. So describe the problem, describe what you did, and then the outcome, which is hopefully everything was amazing after that because of what I did. A lot of people have a tendency to just write down what they did, but for a lot of jobs, that's pretty obvious. You know, if you've been a bus driver, you drove the bus from A to B, but maybe you can talk about being customer focused, for example, if you're applying to be a developer advocate. So really try to look at it that way and search for things within each job that you've done that you can add, which are going to be applicable in your career going forward. I can talk a bit more about this based on what I've learned interviewing people for the Scrimba podcast. I was, I was wondering, um, Michael, you can tell me to go away, to be honest, but could you could you have a go at maybe framing something in the maybe we can help along the way like what's an can we give an example of like problem action results as a developer like what would be a what would be a realistic example do you think uh that kind of depends on the level of your seniority that you get but it's like um for example if you have 
if you're a junior developer looking for a next job, or if you're, for example, uh, looking for your first junior role, you can just say, you know, you're working on the project and uh, probably try to go for something reasonably small uh, where you have, for example, you have a bug, you don't know how to fix it. So that's the problem. The action would be how you went about researching it, and then the result would be like fixed bug. And uh, obviously, the result in fixed bug is not just enough. It's also good to ha- show you what that result enabled you to do further. Uh, so yeah, it's like problem, action, result. Uh, but the problem should be, it's kind of, it's all about somewhat of a narrative. Uh, so you're you're really telling a story when whenever you're interviewing and so on, or you're writing into your CV. It's all about telling a story that people find interesting and compelling. But with the CV, the problem is that you have to do it in one sentence. Um, so, like, if I were so some of them, uh, so for example, like some of the from the guy that I w- was working with, I was like, well, look, I have worked on these problems and so on, uh, but I don't know how to formulate them. And uh, he's basically tried to formulate a bunch of sentences that do adhere to this um, problem action result. Uh, and then, for example, like uh, my problem in my previous job was that we had some functions and like infrastructure that runs and it costs a lot of money. I basically wrote a couple of functions, nothing very special, and they just reduced some cost. And he was like, well, how do you know how much it costs and so on? So it kind of put me into this perspective where I had to like search through half of the evening on AWS website trying to estimate how much that thing actually cost and like with big software companies you know nobody actually knows how much things cost anyway so you know you kind of can make things up a little bit but within the reasons like if someone came back to me and said like well how do you know that i would say well here is the estimation calculator and that's how i know it so yeah everything is all about telling a compelling story yeah, I think Jermaine had a really good point uh, with this when he, when he talk, reviewed some resumes um, on the YouTube channel where he, he looked at one project, which a lot of our students have, which is the Netflix clone, since we have a Netflix clone project in our career path. And one way of framing it is kind of, yeah, I cloned Netflix, just as Netflix is. Like, <laughs> that's not that interesting. Thinking of the PAR uh, methodology, the problem, action, results, can make it a little bit interesting, more interesting. The problem behind Netflix is, is, is kind of a given, like people know why Netflix exists, uh, but in actions and especially in results, you can um, ideally you have in your, um, in how you created this project, uh, thought about the problem, action, results, and and ideally some new problems. Maybe, maybe there's also a problem that people are overwhelmed with all the Netflix uh, and all the options you are uh, surfaced and uh, you have to uh, like <laughs> consider when you are to watch a movie on Netflix. And you looked at that problem, you, you took an action, you used React to filter down uh, the most relevant movies for you, perhaps even use some machine learning stuff kind of uh, make it look like uh, to to tailor the suggestions to you and the result was a much cleaner Netflix experience then you really show that you understand the problem you have empathy with the user uh, it, it, it's your action of course how you solved it and and the result is a better experience it, that's so much better than like yeah I cloned Netflix like you created Netflix 2.0 and I think as a beginner, when you don't have any experience, these kinds of things become extra uh, important. And maybe actually even should have, or, or you definitely need to have a, a, a portfolio 
portfolio supporting your resume i think when you are a beginner and don't have any professional experience uh, because of course if they don't know where you've worked at all uh, or or if you haven't proven yourself in the professional uh, scene how are they to know that you will perform well if they can't see your uh, your projects and, and actually see the case studies and your thinking behind the projects if you can show kind of that problem focused way of thinking and um, I, th- I think that de- definitely increases your chance as a beginner a lot uh, in terms of getting noticed and, and not getting just filtered out after those 10 seconds uh, that the recruiter has to look at your resume totally it sounds fun as well like expanding on it and i think employers like it when you can show that uh, internal motivation and, and self-drive i mean nobody wants to hold your hand the whole way frankly and so if you can say something like oh i expanded on the netflix clone by adding x and maybe bonus points if x is to do with the job like if you're applying for an analytics company you could say oh i expanded it by adding this analytics sdk or something like that um, but yeah, one thing I just learned, and I think I was confused, is that when when I read PAR, Problem Action Result, I guess I started thinking about like that testing methodology, which is like given underscore when underscore then, and it's like just a very terse way of summarizing it. And so I was trying to whether whether that makes sense or not. Um, I was thinking that you could apply this very basic formula to a bullet point on your resume. I think there is an element of that, but actually I forget who said it, but. Thinking about it like telling a story is a it's a fantastic framework to use. And um I, I spoke to Etisham earlier today for the Scrimmer podcast and um just really quickly he uh, instead of going straight to apply for jobs, he did some freelancing on Upwork, had some really clever strategies to to get some early clients and earn some really, really positive reviews. And and one of the first jobs he did, somebody was looking to build a landing page, but they didn't really have a vision for it or any technical ability to build it. So I, I can imagine if you know Etisham was to use that uh, PAR framework, he might say that you know the problem was that the client didn't have any coding maybe that's not a very eloquent way of phrasing it but the, the client needed some technical implementation but didn't know how to structure a, a landing page with a high conversion rate um the, the 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 action was that i came in and consulted with him and built it and the result is that this page now attracts 30 new customers a month for or some kind of if you can include a metric it is generally good to do so but anyway i think that could be difficult um in any case especially if you're a beginner just a thought really um yeah this is like the golden opportunity really like this is the perfect example and because it's like really big problem like really core action and really impactful result so like if you can score that kind of lottery that would be that would be ideal yeah it's hard yeah even i i was filling in my like did at one point and I, and I used to do some Google AdWords and had a certain budget and achieved a certain result. Um, two things, like I didn't feel comfortable talking about the budget in public. I was like, oh, am I gonna get in trouble for that? And the second thing was like, I actually don't remember the exact numbers. I don't want to like, so I, so I went for something a bit more in the middle, which was like vague. And I, I think that's okay. Like the details don't, yeah. Again, it's, ah, yeah. It's just that normally recruiters have a question and you want to answer it effectively. And I think, again, this is kind of a little bit off topic. It's not to do with development, but I can imagine some ideas transferring. If a recruiter is looking for an AdWords person, they, they, they kind of want to know what kind of budgets you're used to working with because anybody can spend a few thousand dollars a month on AdWords. But if you're working at Amazon, you'll have budgets of like hundreds of thousands and that's a totally different expertise. But yeah, I digress. 
I'm wondering if there's anything else people can do or consider when they don't have much experience and need to pad out or, or fill in a resume or a CV, whichever. So one thing is like <laughs> thinking about <laughs> not faking your experience, um, but uh, using whatever you have. Like if you did create that website for uh, a local uh, local hairdresser, you made a hundred bucks and you just did it just to just to get some experience. I mean, highlighting what you have. I definitely think you should do that. Though, though not um, not faking it and, and like pretending you've been doing like this long consultancy uh, gig or like um, consultancy practice. But um, definitely it, it, highlighting your small wins. I, I think beginners should do that. Yeah, definitely. I think that's something we touched on with Danny Thompson in the LinkedIn stream. It's totally fine to include your professional experience if you've made a couple of websites for small companies for example just be careful not to misrepresent them as something they're not because people are going to see through that very quickly if you've written three months of freelancing but actually you've only created one florist website it's going to be quite clear that that didn't take you three months full time so yeah just be honest about it and by all means link to the sites or projects you've built and that's going to look much better than if you try to over pad it i would say sure and uh, another thing which um, just came to mind here is we've touched upon it briefly, but like your non-technical experience can somewhat be relevant. Like, for example, if you worked at a bank, uh, just as in, in, in whatever, maybe you were in customer service, uh, it doesn't matter that much. Uh, and then, but then you're applying for a, a maybe a fintech job as a developer later down the line. Then you need to think like, not only have you got experience in somewhat the same industry by working in a bank, but you need to think on what you did at the bank, what kind of tasks or results that you got could be relevant for uh, the technical job. Like, was it the fact that you work with uh, financial uh, customers or like, like people who, who place their money there? Or was it the fact that you understand how a bank transaction happens uh, like on, on the back end, uh, not necessarily technically in code, but like how the bank system works? Or is it how you know how a, a bank or a financial organization looks on the inside? And thus you might be better equipped being a developer for a company who, who sells financial services, if that's what you're applying for. Just like digging one step deeper into your industry experience and framing it in the way you think it's most likely that the recruiter or the hiring manager will look positively at your skills, basically. Yeah, just to kind of focus down even a little bit more on what Peyu just said. Like, obviously, if you're transitioning from another field, you know, you, you wouldn't be able to take hard skills with you. Uh, although, like, for example, Excel skills or maybe if you have some SQL skill uh, or SQL skills, then that would be quite useful. Uh, most skills that you will take with you are the soft skills or the people skills, uh, the interactions and the way you carry yourself with customers and so on. So you would be able definitely to bring these into uh, any dev environment. So, you know, if if you have customer facing roles, you would be able to talk to customers in your new firm. And people definitely appreciate the dev who can also talk to and understand requirements of software from customers. So you would be sitting on those calls and people would trust you a little bit more. Like uh, in my previous life, I, I used to be a teacher and I would sell my potential employers on this fact that it's like, well, I can command the classroom, so I can definitely 
you know, organize myself in the team. And so I would basically say, like, you're not hiring, like, someone fresh out of university. I already have professional experience. The only thing I'm lacking is just job experience. So it's like I'm a grown-up in a baby's body or something. And that kind of just, like, get a laugh and stuff. But people get what you mean that you will take much less training up because you already spent this time in the professional environment and you know how to uh, deploy your soft skills effectively to get some results from your previous jobs. I like that very much. We have two minutes left. I have, I've invited people in the chat to talk about any experience they, they don't think is so relevant. I thought maybe we could help make it seem more relevant. Um, but in the interest of time, I'm just thinking we haven't spoken quite as much about LinkedIn, although there is a lot of overlap. So I truly hope that you found it useful. I, I don't know, Leanne, would you care to maybe tell us just a couple of what you think are the most highly impactful things people should pay attention to on LinkedIn before we before we close out? You should think very carefully about your photo. So some people just kind of find any old photo of themselves or even worse, a photo at a party or something. I try to go for a high quality, nice and clear professional photo. And uh, it shouldn't really be a candid photo. So one that's taken without your knowledge. It should be something you've posed for, uh, not necessarily with a photographer or anything like that, but just You've either taken yourself or got a housemate or a partner to take. I'm just looking reasonably professional, you know, and not with a couple of beers in your hand, <laughs> ideally. And um, also, when you're job searching, consider having your contact details actually in your LinkedIn header. So you can put yeah, basically a header picture on your LinkedIn um, so put in your or however you like to be contacted and perhaps what type of role you're looking for. So it's easy to see as soon as people look at your page. And then the other thing Danny mentioned when I spoke to him recently was about your job title, which I hadn't thought of before. And that is you can actually put the job you want rather than the job you have. So if you're looking for a React developer job, put React developer. And then that's going to be really obvious for recruiters looking at your page. Um, what you do i was just looking for this youtube video i watched this this guy basically showed how to use canva to do all those things you described and, and canva has a really cool feature which uh, uh we're growing to love at scrimba with our avatars and thumbnails where you remove the background from an image it's a great mm. way to make any image look a lot more pro and, and he talks yeah. about that too but yeah wow that's that hour just flew by thank you so much everybody for tuning in leanne michael mm. per thank you so much for coming as well yeah, thanks for coming, everyone. Thank you. Thanks a lot, everyone. Go and get an ice we'll, cream now. Yeah, yeah, go, go, go. Chase that one <laughs> <that> down. <laughs> See you all next week.